Welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace here with Freya Spence, and today's guests are the ladies who run Momentum Magazine, Emmy Hauser and Alyssa Ages. Momentum is a publication for those with the heart to hustle. By bringing together health and fitness experts from around the world to deliver the latest information and well-being, their mandate is to inspire their audience to take the first step or next step towards a life well-lived. Emmy is the managing director for Momentum and hails from Kansas, but is listed in six different countries. A lawyer by trade, Emmy co-founded Well2Do, now Momentum, in 2016 as a side hustle. She has her Reiki Master Certification and Mindfulness Meditation Training. Alyssa is the editor-in-chief for Momentum and the director of marketing for Impact Kitchen. A native New Yorker, she has worked in journalism for more than a decade, writing for publications including MTV News, Men's Health, Vibe Magazine, and Spin Magazine. Today, we're going to talk about some of the latest trends in health and fitness. So without further ado, ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So we're obviously skimming the surface with that intro. Can both of you tell us a little bit more about what we missed in terms of what got you into the health and fitness industry in this blended approach with your other careers? Okay, so this is Alyssa. So I got started, um, it's sort of an odd story, but I like to thank P. Diddy for my entree into the fitness and wellness industry. I had a roommate back in New York when I first moved home from university, and uh, it was the year that P. Diddy ran the New York City Marathon. I think that was 2003. Was that Puff Daddy at the time? Oh, good question. I don't remember. Tough questions, guys. Shoot. And I was working in music journalism, so I should actually know the answer to that (laughs) question. Um, And he was running the marathon, and she said, I want to go watch P. Diddy run the marathon. Let's go, which was an odd thing to do, but sure. And so we went, and we watched him run. And as he turned the corner for the finish line, she turned to me and said, I think we should run the marathon next year. Like, P. Diddy did it, so we can do it. And I was like, okay, you are a smoker, but sure. And I don't run but we'll figure this out. And I called up my dad, who'd run like five marathons at the time, and said, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. And he said, okay, I'm going to come out of marathon retirement and I'm going to run it with you. And long story short, I trained for that marathon with my dad. I've since run six of them, got into triathlon, did the Ironman, got into strongman. And then uh, I was also working in journalism throughout that time. So got really into wanting to do a little bit more writing and moved here three years ago met Emmy and uh, joined onto the well-to-do team, started working for Impact Kitchen and um, convinced them that they should acquire well-to-do and make it their own publication, hence Momentum. Oh, so that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yes. Really standard. normal chain of events, right? That's like, that's how you do it. Very, very standard. Yeah. So, so yes, I met, I met Alyssa at the gym at Fortis Fitness, what, three, four years ago? Something. Yeah. You know, when you moved here, right years after you ago, moved yeah. here. Yeah. Like that girl is using the yoke and our yoke is not exactly great and it was all over the place. So I'm like, can I just give you a little help with this? And she was like, yes, please. This sucks. I'm like, okay, good. And we've been friends ever since. And so Emmy, how, how did, how did you meet Alyssa and what's your story? So I have a little bit of a different journey. When I first got out of law school six years ago, I started at a big firm, um, which is a really grinding lifestyle, not a very healthy lifestyle. Often didn't have time to eat or pee. Um, So sort of had my body break down and started getting into wellness and found a naturopath and started learning about things I could do to feed my body better. I discovered exercise. 
Um, so that was sort of how I got into it. I was definitely a late bloomer with all this stuff. I will admit it. <laughs> it's okay. Research shows that no matter what time you start, there are always benefits. Amazing. So that's great. Started in my 20s. <laughs> that's fine. I, I never went to a gym until I was 21. And at the time, I was taking physical and health education at Queens. That's so. amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was not like an athletic kid, like just like a huge nerd. So it's great. Um, I actually, so Alyssa's super ballsy, um, which I love. And so she was bare, she'd lived here for like maybe two months and she was throwing like a networking event <laughs> at Impact Kitchen and somehow the well-to-do team at the time got invited. And so I met her and sort of got along like a house on fire and here we are running momentum. It's pretty exciting. Who knew? I also have to add to Emmy's story because <laughs> she's talking about being nerdy, but Emmy was also the drummer for an all-girls heavy metal band. So <laughs> those are the things that stay in every nerdy girl's back pocket. Yeah. I also have a collection of uh, 80s analog synthesizers, which is uh, pretty great and definitely useful. So... <laughs> This. this is amazing. We're learning so much. <laughs> we have varied backgrounds. Yeah. Emmy, the wonderfully quiet lawyer. Oh, I just casually do all these amazing things in a very humble manner. Also, I have a lot of synthesizers yeah, and yeah. a heavy no metal problem. band background. Yeah. No big deal. I used to do musical theater, so maybe we should, you know, jam out sometime. <laughs> combine, combine the two genres. It's, it's Why do years. I not know that? How do you not know that, Alyssa? I don't know. All these hidden facts. Yeah. You've heard me sing. I, I have heard you sing. To Everclear. Uh, just FYI, Alyssa loves Everclear. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> All right. So before we get too off topic, tell us a little bit more about the recent merge or change from well-to-do into Momentum Magazine. And tell us a little bit more about Momentum Magazine. Well, I'll start off. It was it was a long time in the making. Um, I think having Alyssa as part of the Impact team obviously helped us sell that uh, transition. And we just thought there were so many synergies there because Impact really wanted to build their wellness brand. And here we have a pre-existing publication with a lot of amazing connections and subscribers and just an R and a pre-existing subscriber base and reader base. So we thought that would be a really good fit. Yeah. And so, you know, with well-to-do, we were kind of focused on all things fitness and wellness, but definitely it was more of a kind of like female focused publication. Um, and so when we made the switch, we also knew it had to be much more of kind of appealing to everybody. So we've kind of taken out some of the like beauty and skincare stuff, um, unless we are interviewing founders of those companies. Um, and we've definitely got more of a focus on kind of just optimizing your life in general. So whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just kind of trying to make your nine to five job feel a little bit better, or, you know, you're pulling all nighters like Emmy used to do and, and you need to figure out some way to fit wellness into your life. That's kind of what we're trying to do with Momentum now. And even with well-to-do, can you give us a little background in terms of what inspired what you guys were trying to do? Um, so it started off, uh, another girl and I actually started it because we were both lawyers and both into wellness as well, and we wanted sort of an outlet, and neither of us were from Toronto, and same, as, same with Alyssa, so it's just sort of a theme here. Um, and we didn't really know where to find where all the cool wellness sh stuff shit was happening. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little mentor. And then went back in to update I'm, that. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to stuff, stuff shit. <laughs> okay, so we wanted to find all the wellness shit. 
because um, it's great to know where it is. Uh, lots of, there's always so many cool events here. We didn't know where to find them. We didn't know where the good studios were. So we wanted to create a resource. And it's sort of gone from there with Alyssa's help. I think one of the cool things you guys have done is also that it's kind of like that tourist syndrome. For us who are in Toronto, have been here for quite some time, there are a lot of things you guys have discovered that we wouldn't have even had the wherewithal to look for because we're already in our routine. We have our three gym memberships. We have, yeah. It's like the the lifting one and then the (laughs) swimming pool one and then rock climbing. But that said, I think what you guys have managed to do is as people trying to discover the city, you've actually made it, easier for people who've lived in, you know, little bubbles within Toronto. It's a massive city. There are a ton of little great bubbles. It made it easier for people to break out of those and understand what else they could discover about their own city that they've just kind of glazed by. And on that note, I know that you both frequent various fitness (laughs) studios throughout the city. Um, I know you're brought in by a lot of these places to kind of test out classes and you know, see these new things and spread that word to other people. So I'd like both of you just to run us through, like, what does a day or a, a week, Let's. what would a week in the life look like for both of you in regards to your health and fitness? Okay. So I would say at this point, I probably work out like maybe five days a week. Um, Alyssa and... also has a one-year-old. Yes, there's that. Um, and so I try to do a whole mix of different things, right? So I train with Dane and do all of my fun strongman toys and lifting. Um, I also work out at Move Fitness, um, which I love. I'm also in the same neighborhood. I go to Barry's once a week. I go to Studio Legree once a week. I often go to uh, CrossFit Redleaf. And then I try to run one day a week as well. It's amazing how often we have guests on the show who have done CrossFit or currently do CrossFit. We find it such, it's such a great thing because CrossFit tends to get a really rough name in some places due to injuries and that nature of things. But due to the community aspect of it, it is such a positive thing in the fitness industry. So it's, it's so cool to see the variety of people that have done or do CrossFit and the positive things that have really come out of that for people. Uh, well, I don't do CrossFit, but <laughs> we're totally fine with that too, Emmy. I, I have also never done CrossFit, Emmy, okay. so we're good. I, I've done it. I've done competitions for fun and no longer do it, but I respect tremendously okay. the friendships I built out of that. Amazing. So go for it. Um, I'm a lot less varied than Alyssa. I prefer to just work out on my own with headphones. I go to move once a week because uh, I love it there. And I just, I just find it such a good vibe and I love to support Kelly, the founder. Um, but I just, we go to Mayfair Lakeshore. I go by myself with my headphones. It's great. Do some deadlifts. <laughs> oh, and Emmy has a full gym in her garage. True. So I have a gym in my garage. Um, we haven't been able to use it this winter because we're noobs and we, the garage is not insulated. So they, it got very cold. But we're <laughs> learning and we're getting it insulated so we won't have this issue next winter. See, in my experience with lifting in strongman garages, all you need is one space heater for about five or six very large men, and it heats up very quick in there. But when you're one female... I'm on your team, Emmy. That is not conducive. I cannot work out in six degrees. No. Like, Like 15 is okay, but six... Six is warm. <laughs> I like when I get like a, a text from Dane before on a really cold day before coming in to train at Fortis and it's just like, maybe wear a long sleeve shirt. 
we do give our clients a heads up when it's a little bit cold because it's a 10,000 square foot space with massive ceilings and they do their very best. They've replaced the HVAC, but it's just huge. And minus 30 is not fun. And I will just, I just want to say Fortis is amazing and they always, (laughs) they always do their best to make sure the environment is great for lifting. But due to a few things that happened this year with the roof and other things that were out of their control, yeah. it got pretty chilly in there a few Love times. That. So yeah, just bundle up a bit today, Alyssa. Yeah. <laughs> so Emmy, you mentioned going and enjoying working out with your headphones. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about going from not working out to discovering lifting and in, and what you've tried within the process of distilling down that you enjoy solo workouts and lifting barbells because everybody comes about comes to it from a different perspective and you know Alyssa likes to throw a whole bunch of different things in there Mm -hmm. whereas you're kind of like nope I've distilled it down to x y and z I think a lot of it is because I wanted to be a runner since I was a kid but I can't run because every time I do I get really bad shin splints and I have plantar fasciitis ongoing for the last like two years so that was out of the picture Um, I joined my gym I joined a fancy gym downtown, Equinox, because I all of a sudden had a paycheck. I hired a personal trainer because he was super hot. And I was like, well... This <laughs> I'm <sounds> right here. <laughs> like, this sounds like a great thing to try. Um, he, but he, like, he got me into fitness, and to that, I, like, I really owe him. And he taught me how to lift from basically nothing, and I really loved doing the deadlifts. I wasn't obviously doing a lot of weight at the time, but I just, I felt so much power when I was like pulling the bar and I was like, this is what I like. And I just, I don't know. I, my husband always makes fun of me because whenever he drives a car after me, the music's really loud. So I think I just like loud music. I think that really motivates me. So it's a whole part of the headphones thing. (laughs) There's a a dopamine component to that. And that movement gives you your dopamine top up. So it makes sense. It's just huge. (laughs) Are you too muted at work? Is that what they're doing to you? Like you have no outlet at work, so you're just like must get in all the stimulus after? Probably, yeah. Okay, that's totally fair. One of the things I just want to touch base on that is, so you're from the corporate world. So you're a lawyer by trade, day in, day out, going to the office most days, yes? Yep. Okay. And what I find with a lot of clients who come to me who are looking for help, nutrition especially, What I find is that they're really run down because they're actually trying to fit in a lot of fitness and going to high intensity classes and doing a lot of different things. And basically sleep is suffering, recovery is suffering, and they grind themselves down. So one of the things that Fran and I mentioned to these clients is lay off on the high intensity. Like get to, if you want to go in and do barbell work, that's fantastic. Lift something heavy, give yourself full recovery between those sets, and that will give you a nice hormonal boost without totally trashing your adrenals and your metabolism. So I think it's great to hear. I know what your lifestyle is like, and it's great that you've kind of found what works for you. And a lot of people think more is always going to be better, but But it's it's not. not. And I know I figured this out actually because for a while I got into spin, and so I was really killing it and spitting. And then I just found I was so tired all the time and just eating so much and not really making progress. So I actually only work out like three to four times a week, but I try to go really heavy and then just let that be enough. And then I try to do a lot of walking in between. Do you do much as far as like mobility or anything like that to get you out of your desk posture? Because I know you guys are very big on fitting in movement into a corporate structured day. Well, this wonderful lady named Freya. I know her. 
uh, gave me. She wasn't a plug. (laughs) I was checking in on your homework. Gave me a lot of mobility ideas, especially in her recent animal flow article. So yes, I and I do get up from my desk at least every forty-five minutes to get water or tea or just make an excuse because I can't handle sitting for that long. Yeah. Yeah. And just an FYI to the listeners, that is something that everyone should try and work in. Sitting in a static posture for longer than 45 minutes is what is going to lead to a lot of the mobility issues, low back issues, the things that we see, especially in the office population. The research shows just standing up, even if it's just for a minute, every 45 minutes is what will make a huge difference in how your body feels at the end of the day. A far cry from the all-nighters in law school, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so Alyssa, with you getting the the smattering of different uh, different things in there, <laughs> of, of the smattering of different Just exercises. Just a couple different things. What led you to this? I mean, I know that you've trained for so many different things, and when yeah. you're training for something, you have to be really, really specific on that. So is, is what you're doing right now more of a result of, you know, you used to be so structured, and now this just, I do what feels good for my body. Yeah. So like Emmy, I actually did not come from a fitness background. I was not a super active kid unless you consider like hanging out with my friends on the lawn in high school and playing hacky sack active, which I guess sort of. It's coordination. Yeah. So it's good. Oh, I wasn't good at it. Oh, no. Well, you were trying for coordination. I wanted to be near the people playing hacky sack. And then I did, you know, I briefly did like field hockey before I again realized I just wanted to hang out with my hippie friends on the lawn. So I really didn't get into fitness until P. Diddy. And then basically from 2004 when I trained for my first marathon until I got pregnant, all I was ever really doing with training was training for something. My fitness was always with some sort of goal in mind because I got, I think, addicted to that idea of just getting to that end point. So whether it was marathons, triathlons, um, CrossFit, Strongman, whatever it was, it, it was always something. And post, it, you know, during my pregnancy, obviously it was just about taking care of myself. And then post-pregnancy, it was this very weird thing where I suddenly actually was working out for aesthetic purposes. And I remember talking to Dana about it because I was like, I'm so uncomfortable with this. I, I actually really am not happy that this is why I'm working out now, but I also didn't want to set any kind of fitness goal because I didn't want to force myself to push my body past where it could be. So um, I'm, I've am i gotten certified as a trainer. I was a trainer for a couple of years in New York and, and a little bit here. And yet I still prefer to go to those group fitness classes because I just think that kind of gets me out of the house. It forces me to actually go and, and do that workout and, and get that motivation and, and want to keep doing different things. And it's fun now because I think for so long it was just go do your eight mile run, go do your speed work, go do, you know, X, Y, and Z thing. And now it's just kind of go do whatever I feel like doing that day. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. We feel like that takes a while for, well, a while for people to develop that skill. Just like you mentioned, Emmy, just going into the spin and really like focusing in on one thing is good to build the habit. We discussed this on one of our most recent podcasts with Jenny Munmer as well, fitness apps, things like that. It helps people build the habit. And then from there, they start to tune in with what's actually allowing them to thrive. And for you, it's like, okay, today, I feel like this is what I can handle, especially with the changing demands of having a little one who tends to dictate what your body's capable of based on how much they let your body sleep. Yeah, there's that for sure. And, you know, I think I still... I think I would still enjoy going and doing, you know, uh, a running race or something like that. But one of the things that took me several years of doing 
lifting competitions to learn, which is I really enjoy strongman training and I like playing with all the toys and I'm so enjoying that that's what we're doing now. And I don't think I like competing all that much. And it was, it was really like my husband being with me at competitions and seeing how frustrated and stressed I got and saying, like, do you want to compete or do you just want to do this? Do you just want to enjoy kind of, you know, playing with the toys and lifting and getting stronger? And that's what I'm enjoying so much more right now. Yeah, that's a message I've had to deliver or at least have the conversation with several of the people who have hired me as their strongman coach. It's to understand, you know, they really just love the training bit, but when they get into competitions, it's just, it's not fun. And if it's not fun, what's the point in competing, right? So that's just something everyone should consider is like, you don't have to compete in something to enjoy doing it. You know, hobbies are hobbies. People have often asked me recently, are you retired from strongman? I'm like, I don't think I can retire from my hobby. Um, I'm going to maybe compete at some point, but I still like lifting yeah. things. So yes. not retired from my hobbies. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've never had the desire to compete in anything. It's never <laughs> been my motivation. I just, I think I'm the same as Alyssa is not. I just like feeling strong. It's yeah. like so empowering. Absolutely. And knowing that you can just kind of pick up and do whatever you want. You have the capacity to go travel and hike while you travel as opposed to feeling like you're limited on exploring whatever part of the city that you're in based on your physical capacity. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into some trends here. So as I've already mentioned, you guys are often brought into exercise classes across the city. You've spoken to experts from all over the place regarding wellness, nutrition, fitness, everything like that. So over the past year, Let's talk about some exercise trends that you guys have seen, anything that maybe was fleeting or anything that really stuck and you found a lot of people got value out of. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we're seeing now that's kind of, I think it's, it's been around for a long time and it's kind of had this slow uptick for a while. And I think we're just about to see it be kind of insanely huge is this group boxing thing, right? So we've, you know, there's been nine round and big hit and studio KO have all been around for so long. And now it's kind of taking that next step into being more of that really boutique kind of fancy style of group fitness. So, um, from Bolo, which is on the West side, um, and then the brand new Dropboxing, which has opened up down the street. Um, we hear rumors that Rumble, um, which was founded by one of the original trainers from Barry's Bootcamp and has a bunch of locations across the US, we hear that they're coming here, um, also right in that neighborhood. So that's a really big thing. And it's it's funny because that's one of those workouts where I think you get the sweaty and sore factor sometimes, but you don't always get the technique part of it. And I went to a class at Studio KO recently, and one of the things I actually really liked was that they they seemed very focused on your technique. And I really appreciated that about it. And I think as long as you can know what you're doing and you're getting more of a value out of it. For the corporate world, Emmy, for most of your colleagues, how do you feel about that trend being a mainstay of people's regime? I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. People have really varied exercise regimes. I think I find a lot of people don't work out or a lot of mm. a lot of women just do bar, sadly, even though I'm trying to tell about weights. Um, it's, just, it's a slow roll. It's a slow journey. Um, people do orange theory, hit type stuff, mm-hmm. which is it breaks down your body. I, will boxing take off in the corporate world? I think it will in a lot of like the higher intensity professions because people feel like they need to work out hard and work hard and play hard, which obviously leads to burnout, but it's just what people do. It's like a, a you know, when you're in something that's a hit, 
sort of situation, yeah. you have that whole emotional, mental release because exactly. you're just focused on it. You're like, I have 45 minutes. I'm going to work my yeah. ass off and then go back. And then go. Yeah. Now, I mean, we feel the need to caution. The technique thing is massively important. Oh. And we know a lot of coaches um, are aware of that because shoulders are one of the number one issues that we see like shoulder problems and so then when you're hammering home the same pattern that you were just stuck in all day sure you're getting that like high of heart rate up sweat up but not necessarily a great way to counterbalance what you're doing day to day I agree and and I was really into boxing for a while and I actually just took a couple private lessons with a boxing trainer to really work on technique because you're right, when you're in the working world and you're in mousing and at your desk all day, like your shoulders are so susceptible. And so it really worries me when people are going into these like super loud volume, dark classes with no experience. Like there's got to be a way to make sure beginners are educated. Yeah. And, and Freya just mentioned the word counterbalance. And that's that's something that I feel like more people should use as a driver for their choice of fitness activity. Everyone thinks in terms of, I need to lose fat, for example. And so then they're thinking, A, what's going to be fun and keep me engaged and what's going to make me sweat? And so that should lead to the results I want to see. But as you just said, if your shoulders, if you're sitting all day and your shoulders are kind of hunched forward and then you get into boxing and you just continue to, you know, groove that pattern in a more aggressive manner, eventually something is going to break. So thinking about counterbalance, thinking about pulling as a set of pushing something forward with those shoulders, it's going to be very, very helpful for people. So boxing, it'll be an interesting one to see where it goes. I think a lot of fitness trends do take off when they're really, you know, really hot. And then again, when people start to get these little nagging injuries and where it gets around about those, that can kind of slow that momentum. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Or the studios just get better at figuring out how to counterbalance (laughs) so that there are more things than just uh, strict boxing within the class itself. And as far as trends go, what would you say is the biggest trend nutritionally? Because we, we see everything and then we see good research come out, bad research come out, people on Instagram citing the shittiest (laughs) research, nobody knowing that. And Canada's food guide just revamped and that's getting flack. But what do you see as some of the biggest trends that have stuck and and the ones that are more fleeting? Yeah. So Josh, co-founder of Impact, um, he just went out to Expo West, which is the biggest natural food expo um, in I don't know if globally, but certainly in in the U.S. And so he came back and he reported on a couple of the biggest trends that he saw there. Um, And he said far and away CBD. Yeah. is just everywhere and in everything. I mean, it's in – you can buy it in hummus now. I mean, it's literally in everything. And then – but you run into that same – that that question of where's the benefit and how much benefit are you getting? And it's, it's such – CBD is a real wild west right now because you can buy products that will have so much THC in it that you will get high. It's just like you're having weed, right? It's it's not like you're having this for the – the whole point of CBD is that it's supposed to have, you know, non-psychoactive effects. It's supposed to help relieve pain and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So if it's got a bunch of THC and you're the kind of person that gets paranoid on that, that's what's going to happen to you. So it is everywhere. The other thing is that, you know, there's not – there's no specific amount that you have to have or not have in most of those food items. So – are you getting any benefits of CBD from having CBD hummus? Probably not, right? It's just trendy. 
it, this reminds me of when Omegas became popular and then they advertised Omega 3s in orange juice. Orange juice. And say, yeah. you had to, I calculated because I used to have a, a blog, this is like 10 years ago, and I calculated how much orange juice you would have to consume in order to get the current recommended dose the minimum recommended dose of omega-3s you would basically put yourself into a diabetic state every day with the amount of sugar you would have to consume so it became a really good catchy label and i know that that's one of the things that the government is struggling with in terms of monitoring because you know especially with the the edible type things how can you really prove that exactly that much is in that morsel versus like a tincture form exactly and you know i think of all the trends that he spotted i think probably the ones that i think are the most exciting is that the uh, whole pro and prebiotic thing is continuing i think that's Mm -hmm. great let's talk about gut health that's wonderful um but one which is not a specific food item is um transparency in your food sourcing so people care they really want to know now where their food is coming from, how was their beef raised, um, what was the farming practice like for their carrots. They want to know everything. How were the farmers treated? How were the workers treated? Um, what kind of seeds were used? And it's not just anymore, is it GMO or non-GMO? It's all of those little things. And it it makes me think of that uh, Portlandia skit where they were ordering, I think it was like a chicken or something, and they wanted to know how it was raised. And the waiter gives them like the name of the chicken, and then they go to the farm, and they meet it, and they want to know what its family was like. And it's kind of like that, but in, in a positive way. I think it's great that we care. We want to be that educated now. It's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. The restaurant yes. at the end of the universe. The cow walks up to the table, yes. talks to them, yes. asks what part of him can be served like that (laughs) (laughs) and the transparency thing is is awesome because when you get into products that have cbd and like these flashy things what's frightening about that is now people are going to start eating or consuming or drinking products that have high sugar or you know trans fats or all this other crap in them but they're gonna say hey this is healthy because it has cbd so it was kind of like, you know, the low-fat trend. Or the gluten-free. Or, or the gluten-free thing. People just assume because it has this label that says it has one good thing in it, they can ignore all the other crap that's in it. So that's a very, very slippery road, and people need to be very aware of that. But the transparency thing is great to see. Because when it comes to like, – beef is a great example. When it comes to that, it matters so much where – you know where your beef came from and how it was raised that actually really does matter and i and that's why it drives me crazy when people say oh i'm giving up beef my doctor said don't eat beef because it's high saturated fat and i explain to people that you know if you think about you know cows have don't have stomach they have a rumen you know it's meant to digest grass so if your cow was raised on nothing but grain that is a sick animal the meat's gonna be very inflammatory that beef is crap it's gonna be no good for you it's gonna make you sick but if it was a healthy raised cow, pasture raised, that is a super healthy food for you. So just saying beef is bad is crazy. So the transparency thing, I think, is an, an amazing trend. And I really hope that continues. What sort of terms are you seeing used in transparency? We order uh, beef from a local farmer, and we do the same with some of our, our veggies. What I'm, what I'm curious about is if you guys have noticed a trend in terms of the verbiage used, because what we noticed when we were looking through different farmers that have come about 
is there are some, you know, non-GMO, it, it has a standard to it. Organic has a standard to it, even though there's there are a lot of parties that will say, no, nothing is truly organic. Okay, fair. But it does follow a specific farming practice. But what we were seeing are some terms about like high quality or high quality raised. Well, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Is I think that that kind of stuff doesn't, there's no real standards to any of that. Um, we also see like sustainable, which is wonderful. I hope everything is sustainably raised and grown and what produced and whatever, but I, I don't think that there is any actual governing body to say, yeah. yes, this is actually produced with sustainable practices. Uh, I hope that that happens. I think that's really important. Yeah, and one of the things that people need to remember is that if you see something on the front label of a package, it's marketing. It doesn't mean anything. If it says healthy or organic or I mean people can throw these terms on it and just and it can just be marketing to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. So you really do have to dig in, you have to look at the ingredients label, you have to look at where it came from, you know, if it's beef, look for grass-fed. It's there's actual things that you really want to look for in terms of what it means as opposed to just, you know, natural, all natural means absolutely nothing. Right. And do you as a consumer, do you know what local means? Do you actually know how far away, you know, that that farm can be before it's local? It was local somewhere. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But for real, it was local somewhere. So all this stuff is it's just really interesting to see what's popping up out there and what people really perceive things as. Yeah, and one of the things that, that Emmy and I talk about a lot um, in general with all things wellness trends, fitness, nutrition, any of that stuff, is you have to find what works for you. And it doesn't matter if it's the big trend, if your body doesn't react to collagen well, then just because yes. it's cool. And that, by the way, was the second biggest trend that Josh saw at Expo West, which is great. And if that's good for you, then that's awesome. But if it's if it doesn't make sense for your body, then you shouldn't be consuming that. You shouldn't be trying to just jump onto that trend. I love that. And it goes right into building kind of more awareness and intuition about what your body really needs as opposed to what the headlines say you need. And obviously it comes with trial and error. You guys have both gone through trial and error for many, many different things. And I think that's what makes you great at even at having created well to do in momentum. It's partially your trial and error that a lot of other people may be a little too shy to do or not know how. So within the context of that though, building intuition and mindfulness you took a um, Reiki course as well as meditation course, Emmy. And where are you seeing, A, why did you take that? And then not as a criticism, out of curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> and what motivated you to do that? And then are we seeing trends in that? Because we're seeing it on our side of things. But where are you guys seeing the trends with that kind of thing and the need for it, especially in a corporate culture? Um, so I got into meditation because I used to be a very anxious, quiet person. Um, you'd never know it today. <laughs> never. Uh, and meditation really helps me with my anxiety. So I meditate every day. It's not always for long. That's mm-hmm. just not about quantity. It's not about anything. It's about what works for you. Um, again, loud music on the headphones. That's like a theme in my life. I think loud music, that's fine. Um, but I've been doing it for years now and it's really helpful. And the resurgence of meditation and Alyssa and I have talked about this has really been one of the things that brought us together. Um, and I think it's so important and we try to spread that message to people. Um, I try to spread that message to coworkers. Mm-hmm. I've brought coworkers to meditation classes and they really enjoyed it. Um, I think anecdotally, it's really helpful for the wellness world. Um, we, I, I started a yoga class once a week at my work and uh, the yoga teacher, Tara, um, she's at 889, she often incorporates a lot of meditation. Mm-hmm. 
and people really respond, respond really positively to it. Um, so I think the, the issue with meditation is that we need to try to make it even more accessible. I know it's, it's getting there. There's apps, there's studios, but they're not, they're not quite in the downtown core. Um, so we just, we need to figure out that next step to really make it accessible to the people in the corporate world. But I think it's getting there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different companies coming out with even corporate team training for it yeah. just to realize that they don't need to rely on an app. They don't need to rely on because there's mixed reviews about whether apps are actually helpful or we're just For some people, they're for great. For some people, yeah, for exactly. They, I never did an app. Yeah. So it just it's what it works depends. for you, which is, what, yeah. which is always our theme. For Alyssa started with the Headspace app and it really worked for her and yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. You had a question. <laughs> That's... I'm like, wait, no, he's got something to say. No, and, and the term mindful or mindfulness, some people kind of just turn away right away because they feel like it's just this kitschy term that's, you know, it's just fleeting for the moment. Everyone's all about mindfulness. What does it mean? But people are, I think, get too caught up in meditation is this. I'm trying to do meditation as opposed to thinking about it as I'm making time for my body and for my mind. You know, people are after the outcome. They're not actually concerned with what is that actual process? Why is this something we're actually trying to do? And the term mindfulness is one that I know Frey and I both really use with our clients, whether it's mindful eating habits or a mindful movement. It's just thinking about what you do before you do it. And that to me is the big key with even meditation. It's, I don't feel grounded. I feel like I'm out of control all over the place. So how can I just kind of calm my mind down and actually give my brain and my body and my energy the attention that it needs? So I think it's really the way in delivering that message to people. It's not just do meditation because it's good for you. It's, no, no. It, you know, it's, it's yeah. really just kind of getting that message across and understanding that it's not just this thing. It's like, do you want to feel better? Let's, let's make more time for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that gets lost in the, in the messaging sometimes on Instagram and other social medias that meditation has to look a certain way. It doesn't. Sometimes my meditation is taking a few breaths at my office, at my desk, just taking a second, being like, whoa, let's chill. Right? Let's and that, that's so important. Or like people with kids just taking a moment and relaxing, having that cup of coffee, yeah. sipping that cup of coffee, or even taking a drive and putting on nice music and relaxing and not worrying about traffic. I think there's mindfulness to be found everywhere. If you don't, if you get out of that box, like, I have to be sitting on a mat. I have to have my hands in a certain position. Sorry, I <laughs> got a little worked up. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things too where it's, you know, it's super exciting that there's all these meditation studios around. I love that. I love that it's making it more accessible to people. And I think there's so much value in meditation starting to kind of take that boutique fitness route because it does make it feel like it's a special thing. You're taking that time out of your day. And I love that. But it's also important, as Emmy said, to know that you can do it anywhere in any situation, whether or not there's like a pretty, you know, living wall behind you. You can you can still meditate. And I remember when we did we did a lot of stuff with um with Danny Oaks who um as part of Woodfield and uh, one of the things I remember him saying was that he was really trying to work on meditating on the streetcar and I was yeah. like that's awesome that's 
those are the kinds of things you should be doing, right? It's like, you know, you just go sit there, close your eyes. Everybody will think you're sleeping. It's fine. And practice that. Practice it in real life because if you just constantly practice it kind of like sitting in a little corner in your home or wherever, it doesn't necessarily translate into how you're going to react in the rest of the world. That's to, to jump on that word. You're going to be reactive as opposed to responsive. And I think it's creating that gap, right? A lot of people talk about how meditation can give them that little gap of where our filters are and they become more responsive in life as opposed to immediately reactive. I want to um, just quickly touch on the anxiety piece. I was a super anxious kid and extremely shy and dance so hard to believe i know right i know very like there's a reason dane talks first on the podcast (laughs) it just bridges my little like gap but that's why Alyssa goes first too (laughs) (laughs) i figured it out (laughs) and i was also a very anxious kid but i dealt with it by being over the top extroverted to just, just say words and be loud and you'll feel calm but one of the things when I was in hospital, part of like they didn't really know what was going on with me, but part of it was clearly stress. They just couldn't figure it out. So I had some really savvy nurses. They didn't call it meditation. They didn't call it mindfulness. Uh, in my family, we've often done healing touch. So some of the nurses who got to know me a lot better um, because I was on more or less 24-7 watch at first started getting me to listen. I always listened to music at night. But then they started to suggest that I listen to like these set music soundtracks that were the right, like now you call them binaural beats. Cool. But, uh, you know, 16 years ago, that's not what they called them. (laughs) It was, uh, there was like a chakra meditation before that was a word that was common. I don't think I even understood what it meant at the time. And that didn't matter. It was just like, listen to this. And then every now and again, it would be interspersed with visualization. And I found that that was really good for me because that was a way of meditating that I didn't know was meditating, but the visualization piece was really powerful, powerful for me. And again, that resonated well with my brain. And then it got you through breathing. And then I went to a breathing clinic as opposed to a psychologist um, because they found that like, really, she doesn't need to talk through these things. She needs to learn how to like down tune her nervous system. And those are things that we're seeing more and more now. At the time I was like the only 16 year old amongst like a whole bunch of CEOs at a breathing clinic. And most of the time I'd pass out, which was great. That's probably the point (laughs) to get an anxious kid to just like right down. But I love that you touched on that as a way for you to manage anxiety because you're clearly high performance. You've gone through the whole law school thing, which alone before even working is just crazy. That's like equivalent to torture as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like it's medieval in terms of how they run things. We know a lot of lawyers and we're just like, oh, so they they basically just see if you don't die and if you don't die, you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love that you touched on it as uh, something that you use for anxiety purposes, but also something that's so easily done and done differently for both of you. I I know that you both have meditation spots at home that clearly would help you get into the zone a little bit. Had. Had. Okay. The baby's taking it over. Okay. Okay. Well, so there you go. (laughs) But you see, you've now integrated it (laughs) with your child's present, which means you're successful. (laughs) Yeah. The, the binaural beats thing is so interesting because I still get a lot of anxiety on planes. That's like, I don't know why I, st- I still I've haven't gotten panic attack in years because now because I listen to like a certain music track that just calms me the fuck down right it just like takes you out of that like oh there's turbulence great we're gonna die <laughs> Dane knows see I don't I don't worry about turbulence or anything like that but if I can feel like heart rates coming up like a whole bunch of things are starting to happen yeah. I will calm on the outside but I'll tell Dane I'm like I can't hear you right now 
<laughs> so I'm just going to put in some music, yeah. bring my system back down. Then I'll be able to hear you just fine. Well, exactly. Just give me a minute. <laughs> All of this is a really good example, too, of the thing that I think Emmy and I are the biggest proponents of, which is just do what works for you, right? Figure it out. Figure out the things. There's And one of the great things about wellness trends is that it gives you the opportunity to test out new things. Mm-hmm. But know enough to test it out and if it's not right for you don't continue on with it right like i found for a while that the the whole intermittent fasting thing was actually pretty good for me in the mornings i was starting to i think post baby my gut was a little bit weird in the morning i couldn't eat but then i found that after a certain period of time i was kind of forcing myself into it and i was just like waiting and i'd be starving and i was like why am i doing this how about on the days where i'm hungry at 9am i eat something and on the days where i'm not i just don't and then I just wait. And it's it just, you just figure out the things that are going to work for your body. Yeah. I think that's a great take home message for anybody is try as many things as possible, but listen to how your body reacts and also be aware that that might change. Things change over time. It doesn't have to be extreme as, as pregnancy, yeah. but over time, you know, based on the stress level you have in life or, you know, what's how you've gotten a little bit older Everything is always in flux. So just having that filter on all the time of, is this still working for me? Will take you, I mean, you'll always, you'll always have your health first if you can actually tune into that. Yeah. So I think that's, that's super critical. Well, I have a, a really important question for, for both of you. <laughs> uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> I know. I get from your face, I feel, I feel uh-oh. And we, yeah. We've spoken a lot about trends. Yeah. But what is the most impactful book that you have read over the past year? So I read a lot, um, probably like a book a week. I think Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, was just like the most delightful book I've read in a long time. And I gave it to a friend at work and now all of my colleagues in a certain area have read it because it's just, it's so good and it makes you realize that reading is fucking awesome. So that's my book. (laughs) Reading is fucking awesome. I like that. (laughs) I'm on that team. Okay, so... Nerd alert. (laughs) Can you see the glasses? (laughs) Yeah, there's one person on the podcast who's wearing glasses. Yes. Yep. Um, so, okay. I, for, for impact, actually, we all, our whole management team read setting the table, which is by Danny Meyer. Um, so if people don't know who he is, he runs a massively successful chain of restaurants in New York. Um, and his whole thing is about enlightened hospitality. So it's, it's actually just great no matter what field you work in. I first read it when I was working in nonprofit because it was still a customer facing job. And now I read it as part of Impact and and we all read it together. And it's just really fascinating to understand the difference between service and hospitality and this concept of writing a great last chapter. So you're going to make mistakes, whatever field you're in, you're going to make some kind of a mistake. But the great last chapter part is how how you deal with that, right? And how you kind of give that person that final takeaway experience that makes them go, yeah, okay, that thing was an issue, but look at how amazingly they responded to it. And so I actually do tackle a lot of kind of like customer feedback for impact. So I really stick to that. Um, And then the other one, which has nothing to do with anything work related was I became obsessed when I was traveling with this book called Touching the Void by this guy, Joe Simpson. He was not an actual author, but it's basically this book about he was climbing mountain with a friend of his. You've read this? I've read this. Oh my God. It was incredible. And he, um, this doesn't give anything away because obviously he survived. He wrote the book, but he, um, (laughs) he uh, fell and he ended up down in this crevasse and it's all about kind of how he survived. And I just loved everything about that. 
I love that book. Actually, I haven't read it for, I don't know, I think I read it a few years ago. I'm like Emmy, I have like eight books by my bedside table. (laughs) Hop between each one of them, depending on how mentally engaged I am at that minute. Both of you might have a different answer to this, but we always like to ask our guests, what's your non-negotiable self-care tool every day? So what's the one thing that no matter where you are in the world or what you're doing that day, you do not want to trade up? Okay, I can say kind of what mine was and I guess how that's changed because it it was meditation and there's no real reason why I haven't been doing it as much except for the fact that I just don't have any more time in the day to do it now. So I guess my real non-negotiable is I I wake up extra early in the morning to get about an hour of work done before my daughter wakes up and then when I get her up um, until when it's time to actually start work, doing work for the day, I don't look at email. I don't look at my phone. It's nothing. It's just me and her time. And that to me is – it's self-care, I guess, for both of us. Um, but that's my happy way to start the day. And then it's my happy way to end the day too is, again, you know, I come home and I turn off until it's time for her to go to bed. I turn everything else off and it's just me and her. That's great. For me, when I'm home, it's meditation. Um, but I would say when I'm traveling – when I'm getting ready, say I don't have time for meditation or I just don't really feel like it because it's a shitty hotel room, I just like to put on like a really calming song. It's mm-hmm. like a specific song and get ready to that. And that really helps me just like be grounded for the day. Both excellent answers. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> give ten you, out of ten. I give you both tens. Very nice. Well, I, I should also share because one of the things um, we we send out Josh a lot to go do these lunch and learns. And one of the things that he talks about is morning routines and how your morning routine should be bringing you joy, not stress. Yes. But one of these things is that we talk about, you know, it's been such a trendy thing to talk about people's morning routines. And some of them are insane, right? Some of them are like, I get up at 5 a.m. and I pull a tarot card before I drink my you know essential oil infused water and my matcha which I do the whole matcha ceremony for and then I bless it and then I do you know my 35 minutes of transcendental meditation and it's it's all these things right and it's you could read so many of those and feel like you have to stick to all those things or you can just do the things that work for you in the morning and and what should a morning routine look like that makes you happy I literally spend as long as it takes to boil the kettle doing qigong yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I put it on a slightly lower setting on high. So I know it'll take a touch longer so I can finish my whole series. But I'm the kind of person who always has a running clock in my head. So if I am using the kettle as a clock per se, I'm not stressed. Like I can completely yeah. zone into it. But yeah, I'm not doing the whole like matcha tea ceremony and whatever else. And Dane, I think, does his top like five movements and we know that some great books have been read or written sorry about the importance of morning routines but again if you read some of them they're so elaborate it's like you must go to the beach at the break of dawn well we live in toronto and it's really not pleasant in january and the beach is close but i don't want to go there again this circles back to do what works for you if it's takes 30 seconds for you to just ground yourself when you wake up do that because that, that is, again, you don't want to start the day in a hectic note. Make sure if it's just 30 seconds of breathing yeah. to get you on track, do that. It, it doesn't have to be fancy. Just, again, give yourself some time. Prioritize you. I do sometimes hide in the bathroom with a sheet mask on for 10 minutes because I just need to hydrate my sometimes, skin. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. You, you know, so we, I like We I like all that. do that, Alyssa. We all do that. 
And with that said, maybe that's what you'll answer to this. But if you had five minutes with someone, what one thing would you try and impart on them to help them with their well-being? I feel like we're going to sound like broken records here, but it's still that same thing of like just... Do keto? Yeah, do keto. That's the thing. It's like if I have five minutes... Go full keto. Full keto. Uh, Make sure you have MCT oil. Yeah. And all the supplements, collagen. Uh, Make sure you get your adaptogens every day. Every day. You need chaga. And you need ashwagandha. And you need some reishi so you can chill. Um, Yeah, Yeah. that's really important. These ladies have spent their their past few years with their wellness trends. And and make sure you get you some high-quality CBD for night so then you yeah. can sleep better and that will really help your muscles relax after a hard workout and also go boxing every day every day yeah so, every day so CBD when you wake up yeah. boxing keto CBD when you go to yeah. bed and repeat yeah and uh, 45 minutes of meditation meditation yeah and transcendental meditation oh yeah, right Trans- has to be transcendental meditation yeah. obviously because it can't be anything else twice a day okay and I'm gonna I'm this is fun and, and I love what we're doing and I could do this for another 20 minutes yeah, same. okay one really one mean? serious answer yeah. for the lovely people at home. Yeah. I think meditation, but in order to sound a little bit different, is get some good skincare and just put put a nice facial oil on. It will save your skin and it has yes. saved mine. Um, and also for me, collagen works for me. I yeah. put it in my coffee every day. It's like a ritual. I like it. Um, so try it. See if it works for you. If it doesn't, totally okay. Yeah. Like, Fred, Fred drinks collagen. I do not. And we're both cool. And you're yeah. both healthy and, well, and you know, it's good. Also, I think, and this was so post-pregnancy, Dane and I talked a lot about um, how to kind of change up my nutrition to get to where I wanted to be. And we joked about the fact that there's a million different diets and whatever kind of things that people tell you to do. And the thing that really worked for me, and I felt like such an idiot for actually having nutrition certification and not figuring this out on my own, was just eat more vegetables. It was just honestly, it was like, just make sure that vegetables are the center point of every single meal that you have. And it sounds like such a basic thing. Like, of course, I'll put vegetables in everything. But it turns out that when you actually say that you cannot eat a meal without vegetables, you automatically eat better all the time. That is, that's my big takeaway. Now, that is such an awesome takeaway for literally anyone. I don't care if you're trying to lose weight, gain weight, get healthy, anything. Eating more vegetables is always going to make you feel better from pretty much every perspective, whether it's strength or energy or mood. Yeah. So do you feel great that you had like two people who know all these things about all the wellness trends on and we were like, so eat vegetables? And maybe do some mindful breathing and once put, a day. And put moisturizer on your skin. No, but a nice natural facial oil. Oil. Yeah, facial oil. oil. Yeah. You want to know a what? A 10-step Korean facial skincare routine would be really important <laughs> for you to so we're, 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 we're dumbing it down a little oh, yeah. bit. We're, just, <laughs> we're distilling it. Just distilling. Can I say one thing about the skin and hair? We're big fans of the Berkey water filter. We just were given the Berkey shower head attachment. And when we were away, my hair was its normal self, like no tangles, like no problem there. And then we got home and it was a a total mess. Then we put the Berkey filter on and it went right back to being excellent. And my skin didn't feel gritty. And I don't really use skin products, like rightfully or wrongfully. I just don't. Maybe I'm lazy. But... Just changing that water filter was amazing, night and day, Wow! in terms of the texture of my hair going back to normal. So I don't have to spend $200 on Gwyneth Paltrow's night cream? Uh, On anything related to Gwyneth (laughs) Paltrow? Zilch. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) 
erase that woman's name from <laughs> your brain. If you see her or hear anything about her, ignore it completely. <laughs> Run the opposite direction. Do the absolute opposite of whatever she says. <laughs> Finally, where can people find you, lovely ladies? Well, uh, we often say you can physically find us in Impact Kitchen. We are often there. Um, neither one of us really gives much of a shit about our personal Instagrams. So you can find us on Momentum's Instagram. Which is? At InMomentumMag. You can find us on the internet at InMomentumMag.com. And you can find us in your inbox every Monday at noon if you go to InMomentumMag.com and sign up for our email newsletter. That'd be very smart. They uh, pass on a lot of great information mm-hmm. from a lot of experts. So yes. it's a really good way to stay up to date on some of the latest trends and ways to make yourself feel super great. And it just so happens that two of the experts that we use to consult with for many of our articles are the two of you. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I have no bias. <laughs> well, no, there is no bias. We just love being a part of that community. Exactly. Community is huge, and we're trying to build something great here in Toronto. And within Momentum Mag, we're going to take that uh, worldwide, global. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I think we uh, packed a lot of really good stuff in there for our listeners. So we might have to have you back on for another one in, okay. uh, in a year or so. But thank you so much for coming on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on the Move Daily Health Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.